afternoon, and welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Scott Greeson, Conservation Director with Friends of the Eel River. The Eco News Report is an exclusive feature of KHSU, brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, the Eco News. And don't forget, you can find this show and other KHSU public affairs shows on the audio archives page at khsu.org. My guest today is Mike Wilson, Humboldt County Supervisor for the 3rd District. Welcome to the Eco News Report, Mike. It's great to be here. Welcome back to the Fireworker Building. Yeah. The new digs. Yeah. It's nice KHSU has this space in here. It's great. So we want to talk today about SB 1029, better known as the bill formerly known as the Great Redwood Trail Act. Right. And basically lay out what this looks like it means for the future of bike and hike and and riding trails from Humboldt South. Well, I mean, first we should, you know, let people know, I think, that the governor signed the bill, which is part of why we're talking about it. Yeah. As I understand it, it came down to Saturday when he had until Sunday. So, you know, he wasn't pushing it or anything. But. <laughs> he had a lot of other things to sign before then. But, yeah, right. I, um, it always makes me nervous, you know, the longer things take. But I'm glad we got past this point. Yeah. And maybe we should back up just a little bit and say, you know, what the the bigger vision here of a Great Redwood Trail mm-hmm. is both still in play and sort of not really on the table right now. And maybe you could describe how the bill changed and, and what we wound up with. Well, just fun- in, in rough sketches. Yes. Yeah, fundamentally, the bill is to convert the NCRA, the North Coast Railroad Authority's asset, which is a basically an easement and ownership of land. The right of way. The right of way. That the tracks run that, on. Uh, yeah. That the tracks run on all the way from Marin to Humboldt County. And, and it's basically moving it past the mandate to to build a railroad to basically a freight I, railroad let's be clear it would never yeah. be anything other than a freight line yeah, yeah it's true but their mandate was to do any kind of railroad in their mandate and right. now it basically puts another mandate on top of that it doesn't actually get rid of that mandate per se it just basically suspends it it suspends that mandate because it says listen that's not going to happen in our lifetime so we reserve the right away and here you're talking about rail banking right basically. right we, yeah. and, and that's in the language of right. the of the bill right. and so and in the meantime so that we can use this thing for other purposes or even co-locating in the in in the in our lifetime we can use it for other transportation purposes or other things you know utilities or whatever it may be things that you know that that we could use it for and so fundamentally though the focus is on trails and so this bill basically takes the administration of that which is the board that manages the ncra and gives them this new mandate and says hey you know what trails are now your priority because freight and passenger and other things are just not happening from santa rosa north more or less all the way to the humboldt bay area and and re reconnoiter it your mandate is to now really think about this as how the public can get the benefit of this vis-a-vis trails and so that's really what this is fundamentally doing there are sections it's kind of split up a bit the will south is really mostly going under the control of the Sonoma Marin Rapid Transit, which is basically okay, the smart line, the smart line, which is commuter doing, rail line. Yep, yeah. it's a commuter rail. Currently, they're from Larkspur to I think Santa Rosa, more or less, maybe a little bit more north from there. I think to Santa Rosa. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they have they have their sights on Cloverdale, but as part of this, 
you know, they wanted to... Well, there is a nice train station just there sitting is a, there. <laughs> there's a beautiful train station in Cloverdale. Certainly, it's a, it's a nice skateboarding spot. And then, you know, they really want to make sure that as they do their planning for that, they also have a mandate for trail, too. So we can't forget that the smart rail also has a co-located rail mandate. There, when you say co-located, you mean that they've got a mandate to do rail with trail. That's right. They do. Which makes sense there because what they're doing is building really a whole new rail line on the right-of-way because they have to do that in order to run passenger rail. You have to have a a physically different infrastructure than what's necessary for freight alone. And they're they're fundamentally good with this move because instead of having two agencies manage for freight and for for passenger service, you have one agency managing for this. But again, this is really Santa Rosa South. Right, right. Maybe up to Cloverdale, but but from Willits up for sure. Yeah, from Willits up, that's, that's, you know, that's under this guy we call also new management and it's just a different it's just sort of a, a different group of people more or less I guess you'd say and so that transition is occurring and so basically every community along that section that goes from Willits all the way to Blue Lake all the way to right. Samoa really now is a time to rethink our connectivity and our relationship with that publicly owned easement with the right and ownership yeah. and the right of way yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so I'm sure what everybody wants to know is when's the trail next to me going to get built? <laughs> right. right. But but we can't really think about it that way. We have to start thinking about sort of this bigger picture mm-hmm. of how's this going to start developing. Right. But before we even get to that, what what is the study that SB 1029 calls for? And, and what does that mean? Are we going to see the NCRA is sort of wrapped up and, and done away with and a new agency established? Do we know yet? Do we need to be ready for another Well, that's the bill? intention. The yeah, intention okay. is to transfer that, the That NCRA. was the idea. Yeah, yeah the yeah. transfer the NCRA into a new trail management agency. But the details of that will come out in a study. So, But that's been that's what's great about this act is that it funds that study somewhere between four and $500,000 and up to 2020. The hope is that it's going to be a much faster than that, that that'll get done. And that's basically to look at all the assets, you know, do an, an analysis and really fundamentally make a, a plan on how to move forward with the big vision, but understanding that, you know, these long trails like this, especially three communities is, are done in smaller segments. And we've seen that in our community here around Humboldt Bay. We see different little sections being done here and there, but also, you know, Willits has done sections, Cloverdale, Ukiah and so other areas are you know they have they've they've been doing little bits and pieces but now the mandate is a lot different taking off the layer of of the of the rail supremacy right basically makes trail building and planning much less expensive much faster and so and we can all really start thinking create creatively about that and it even includes the spurs so by, by spurs i mean like from alton to Carlotta, there's a there's a rail spur there, and some people have been talking about doing a, a horse 
trail there, which would this be is basically pretty... in the low, mm-hmm. sort of the low valley part of the van. Right. So when you're driving there. 36, you look down you're in that valley, it. there's a rail yeah. line that goes up through right. there. The the section between Arcata and Blue Lake is considered... You a, mentioned the Blue Lake. Yeah, that's the considered a spur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are other <laughs> bits and pieces like that too. So now is the time for communities to really open so, up their minds in ways we weren't we weren't really allowed to we weren't allowed to sort of intellectualize this idea and now i think it's a good time the city and, of arcade we're hearing these ideas bubbling yeah. up already yeah. and yeah. you know you've sort of laid out this bigger picture of okay we're going to see this happen incrementally right and and probably we're going to see it happen i've heard you suggest around the places where the demand is the greatest. That's right. That's where it's going to start. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been thinking initially as this idea was was proposed by Senator McGuire's office that, you know, the canyon, the center of the Eel River is really like the place I dream of, of a trail being. Yeah. But it quickly became clear that, that that's actually the last place we're going to get to with a trail. I would imagine it would be. And I, and I, and I think that what we will see, it will be under a separate sort of management. So Mm -hmm. in general, you'll see shared management as we've seen so far within communities and JPAs related to between communities and JPAs being joint powers authorities. So where you're basically local government, local governments coming together, doing pieces and managing them for themselves. I think for something like the Canyon, you will probably see either a state or federal agency. So you would be, it would be more managed, more like a linear park type of thing as we've seen in so many other places. I mean, the model for that is pre-established in in terms of these big rail banks. Banking operation, right? They have them all over the United projects. States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and we have the, some agencies yeah. around here that have gotten pretty good with the bike trails, right? Um, the King Range and the Lost Creek areas that the BLM manages, right? And then, and it's a different style of trail too that you would have in these remoter right. areas. It wouldn't be this paved path between communities. It'd likely be more like a single lane road to a certain extent because that would be what be most easily to but but it kind of depends on where the what the terrain is and so back to this idea of putting it where the demand is you know i've been talking to folks about this of course since the idea got proposed and as momentum got developing behind the bill and um one of the more interesting conversations i had was with a guy from willits who was extremely enthusiastic about the idea and said basically this is what Willits needs mm-hmm. desperately to connect us to Ukiah right. in a way that's really healthy and fun and it's going to give people in Willits this huge oh, um, it would be amazing. You know, amenity. And even, yeah. And um, it, you know, it, yeah. But it, it really, it gave me a different way of looking at that because again, mm-hmm. I'd been thinking about, wow, yeah, Willits has got this great opportunity to build the trail in the other direction, right. to Outlet Creek and right. into the canyon. And mm-hmm. nobody, I mean, People want to go there, sure. But right. More people are going to want to go to Ukiah, of course. and Or and, start in Ukiah. Yeah. Right. right. And, and even Ukiah to Cloverdale. Right. Right. And in that section. But again, that's sort of that will be managed more through this through the smart currently. They're going to be doing the studies through that. And so but certainly that demand will peak or will we'll not peak, but we'll see it, you know, really grow and the interest because again, we weren't able to really think out loud about that under the old paradigm. But that right. has changed in the last week, right? So, so now So we've gone from you right. can think about rail with trail if you pay for it and all the bridges mm-hmm. but and and to but 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 we're not really all that into it to right. no, actually now it's gonna be trails. This is the thing. Out. Yeah. So it definitely just it that fundamentally is it's just a it's just a big attitude switch that we're gonna 
and bureau and bureaucratically it just it just changes this direction so i think we're gonna see a lot of positive things even even in the short run we have arcada looking at connecting the from the skate park, which is the north end of Arcata, more or less, all the way to the actually north north end of Arcata, right? Right, and they had been planning rail with trail. A so let's talk about the co- costs co- of cost rail with trail. Right, we had looked at the figures for the Arcata Eureka Trail, yeah. which is largely built now, but mm-hmm. and it looked like if we'd done it without the rail, right. it would have been six million bucks, and doing it with the with the rail cost 24 million bucks and a lot of that was about the bridge but still Mm -hmm. that's a lot of money that's a lot more money than it needed to be and we could have gotten the whole thing done by now yeah i I mean i those that's an i think we're comparing what it would what we thought it would cost to what it did cost in a little bit but what we were really seeing on the ground but there's a big difference there there. is what we're seeing on the ground is and and what you get for rail with trail again is not a new trail no. and new rail. No. It's a new trail next to the same, not completely non-functional old rotting rail. Right. And when people call it rail with trail, I would call it trail around defunct rail. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's really what you would... At, that's at what substantial you, additional expense. Right. At, yeah. right. At, at, at what we were really finding out was about half a million dollars a mile more. That's really what we were averaging between... On what we're seeing, all these sections is half a million dollars a mile more, which is and how much is a mile of of trail cost on average? Well, I mean, we're seeing that being a million bucks a mile. Okay, so yeah. we're talking about roughly fifty yeah. percent extra yeah. to do it the old way. But you know, we can stop kicking this horse around. Yeah, but. it's it, we're we're past that now. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 but good. It, it does help. Yeah. So. If you're just tuning in, this is the Eco News Report. I'm Scott Greason, Conservation Director with Friends of the O River, and I'm talking with Humboldt County Supervisor for the 3rd District, Mike Wilson, about SB 1029, the bill that used to be the Great Redwood Trail Act, but I guess it's sort of the Redwood Trail Act now, and not so great. But <laughs> Oh, it's <laughs> But great. it's a pretty good bill. I'm pretty oh. happy with it. Okay. We were going to talk a little bit more about rail banking, about this idea, you know, the basic mechanism that right. Congress established to allow public right-of-ways or even private right-of-ways like right. the NCRA's rail line to, to be basically almost abandoned, you know, right. to be kept in, in a deep freeze. Right. In suspension. Yeah. And, and like you said, there have been a number of other projects done on former rail lines using the, the rail banking concept. Yeah. They work pretty well. So, Oh yeah. I mean, they work well. They, I mean, in essence, they preserve that right away for rail to return one day in right. wherever it may be in order to maintain that, well, that asset of, for the public good. And I've heard some people say, well, that's never happened. And that's just, that is actually not true. It has happened. That, the, that a rail line has gone defunct, been converted to a trail, yep. and then been converted back to a rail use. Right. And right. Since, since 2009, there's been two notable times where that's occurred. One where it was actually converted back directly into a rail line from a trail back into a, a rail line. And then in another instance, they worked out a rail with trail option and I solution. think one of those was a light rail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of them's freight. Right. And so it, it does happen, and, right. it, and that's that's what the tool is for. I mean, that's what right. we want to you know, maintain. I think one piece of this that a lot of folks don't appreciate and, and maybe isn't so obvious here on the North Coast where 
we have our own sort of very particular history of rail development that has everything to do with the timber industry, right? Which really built all of the rail lines and all mm-hmm. of you know all of the railroad avenues we have yeah. around Humboldt County mm-hmm. are you know, you'll you'll note they're all straight, and they're yeah, all yeah. flat. Right. Um, those were all once railroads, and there were tons of little railroads around here, just like there were tons of little mills. Right. But across the United States, we really built way more railroads than we really needed than rational development would indicate. Mm. And it's, well, there was a reason for that. We had a bunch of different railroad companies competing. And in some cases they built parallel railroads. There's that, you Mm -hmm. know? And so we did wind up really in the middle of the 20th century with a shakeout of a lot of that infrastructure that just didn't make sense anymore. Well, especially and, under the car paradigm that was promoted through the 50s. And yeah, stuff. So and, we, and part we of that's the shift in shipping. But yep. but part mm-hmm. of it is just that yep. we had, had really allowed a kind of completely unfettered free market capitalism in the late 19th century to go a little bonkers and build rail lines all over the freaking place. And some well, of us turned it was out to more than free not market. be profitable. It was, yeah. it was actually subsidized. Right. We gave them a lot of forests mm, to, right. to, to yep. make it work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all of those worked out. And so yeah. it makes sense that we've got a lot of publicly subsidized infrastructure that isn't actually profitable as rail lines and Mm -hmm. you know it it only makes sense to use them and this tool wasn't really designed for the humble you know mendocino ncra problem but Mm -hmm. it's sure a good thing it exists well i don't know i i I would say that it was designed for this i mean it's in and we're using it in the way that and what we're talking about is rail banking as the the federal law that preserves this right away as a tool to preserve that right away which is in essence, would fall apart. I mean, that was part of the discussions, really, even, you know, when talking with people who are real rail fans and really want the rail to exist. And, I, you know, I have compassion for that or I have empathy in that I also, you know, understand the value of rail in all these different ways. And many of us do. But what we are really letting people know is that if we don't do something to preserve that right away vis-a-vis this tool, we would lose it all. Right. And by losing it all, we that means we you know we're just giving away this asset, and it would never come back. Yeah. And so and legally, you, if yeah. if we were yeah. to abandon the line entirely because yep. the NCR had become bankrupt, yep. and that was the reason the NCR was created in the first place, is because yep. the private ownership had gone bankrupt, and the mm-hmm. state stepped in to take it over. Yeah. But couldn't make it run at a profit because it's incredibly expensive to run a rail line here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I mean, one of the things that I hear a lot about is folks talking about the cost of building a trail and especially they have questions about building it in places like we talk about the canyon and there is a mythology that's that 75 landslides right right and and there are a lot there there is a lot of geological issues with regards to the to the collapsed tunnels yeah that all all exists yeah but there's often there's this 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 byline that people say, well, it's going to cost just as much to build a trail as it will to build a railroad. What? No. Well, I mean, and I think a lot of that came from just sort of a narrative from 10 or 15 years ago when we were first talking about this, because there was the idea, well, the only way you're going to get in there is using a train and you need a train to pull everything out and all these different things. I think what it misses is the, is that was always their plan was to clean things up by building a trail, by, by, by rebuilding the rail line but that's right that's not the only way to get in there right yeah. it's not just not only the only way to get in there but fundamentally 
as a technology, trails are just so fundamentally different than railroads and right. rail lines. And so rail lines have very little tolerance for earth movement. They have very little tolerance for curves and they have very little tolerance for grade, which is, you know, the angle which we go up and down. And so building a trail across unstable slopes is a very different thing than building a rail that functions, at least, right. across unstable slopes. And you can do it for much, much, much less. Right. And the flexibility of that, you know, you can go around things, maybe collapsed tunnels or this, that, and the other. And so there are negotiations with relationship to that. But that doesn't just apply to these kind of remote areas. We even see it in our in our you know urban and between communities where sometimes actually the rail line itself is not in a convenient place to put a trail right per se it actually is better to go veer away from that and use a little bit of this adjoining parcel and so you make a deal with the people who own that parcel or something something to that effect i mean even if you look at currently caltrans has a grant in and this is the first i think trail rail trail slash grant for caltrans between blue lake and glendale and so they're using part of the rail line and where it becomes really, you know, technically very difficult and there is an easier route. They're actually moving that trail along the side of the highway a bit and then sweeping it around up into Glendale. Which Caltrans can do because they're Caltrans and well, it's their highway. And they, right, exactly. Yeah. And so so, the, so it just creates a lot more flexibility. So I, the idea that these are strictly on the rail corridors, you know, at every point is... That's not how it really it's works. It's not that restrictive. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So, so we. Nor should it be. Of course. Yeah, right. So we're very excited, you know, as a trail building community that it's just more flexible now and, and, and less costly. That doesn't mean that it'll be right on those tracks, but, but it's, it's better now than it has been for a long time. And so we're really reaching out to every community to really get their creative juices going about what you know, what excites them about these kind of trails. So you you said something there, Mike, we're a trail building community and, you know, people are pretty excited about this. Mm-hmm. And that touches on something important here, which is, I think, the really remarkable degree of enthusiasm we've seen in the public, both mm-hmm. for the idea of trails and for trails once they're built. They oh, get yeah. used a lot. They get used a lot. Can I mean, you talk about that? The city of is and, just going bonkers right there. You know, they... You know, they had talked about it and done this and, and done the planning and, you know, did it piecemeal. But when the waterfront trail for Eureka was eventually really put together, it's, it is probably the most popular used piece of recreational infrastructure that the city has. And I mean, it's still and, not connected to that piece to go across the slough and up to Arcata. But, right. That's, but it's nearly there. Yeah, but and that yeah. part hasn't happened. And even for them looking south to connect to King Salmon, right. which would also be super amazing because you could be in Eureka, get on your bike with your kids and ride to a beach, right. like, you know, a really nice beach. Right. That would be amazing. And then the connecting going north, if, if Arcata can get to, say, even the pump station, right. which is on the Mad River, Beach to beach. I mean, you could go from a from a beach that is the river beach to the ocean beach, and and do that in with you know without a lot of challenges. And so that's the kind of connectivity we're talking about. We're talking about the connectivity between you know CR and Eureka. We're talking about the connectivity between CR and Fortuna. We're talking. Those are those kind of things we're really getting into, and I think. But again, um, yeah. you, you've got more experience with this than I do because you've run for elective office a few times around here. I have. What do people talk? What do people say 
They about want trails. They, they love them. This is is this mean, like a, something they mention off to the side after they talk about the things that are really important to them, or is this like oh, this one of on, the first things? This is on the list. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, when you talk about what's interesting, you know, people are interested in, and you know, there's the economy, there's public safety, all very important things. There's our health care systems, and so there's like the the basics, right? But connecting all of those things in this kind of infrastructure they under people understand the connectivity of of having a healthy lifestyle to our economy to our healthcare to you know to our to to all the, the connectivity between people and our community to our safe, our safety and so there's a really there is a fundamental understanding of that from you know most people certainly not everybody believes in this this same sort of paradigm but I would say it's it's very popular and, and across a lot of political spectrum, too. I mean, there are very conservative, what we would consider politically conservative people. This isn't just something that's just a liberal thing or a progressive thing or a moderate thing. I mean, really, you find a lot of conservative folks also really understanding that healthy lifestyle, quality of life matters to them. I would say, you know, one of the biggest organizations that's been really pushing for these types of things is... AARP. So when you go, you know, if you're if this is a, interested in these sorts of things and you go to these conferences where they talk about walkable communities and connecting communities, you know, the American Association of Retired Persons, I guess it is. Yeah. I don't know. I just <laughs> recently turned 50 and started getting the mailers. I don't know if you've gotten those I'm yet. I'm afraid I've been getting them for a few years now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Anyways, you know, so the, their, their yeah. constituency, mm-hmm. which is generally you consider somewhat conservative at least from a social perspective they very they very much see this as a as a way to help you know longevity of life and connectivity in communities and making that happen so there's a lot of popularity for sure so how do people get involved with this larger project and and what would you suggest people do you know, if well, they want to make a trail happen? I think the house? I think the first thing is to reach out to the local groups that are doing it in your community. And so they like Mendocino, there's Mendocino Walk Bike, I think they're called. In the Humboldt area, there's the oh, Humboldt yeah. Trails Council. Those are great places to start. And there's a fledgling organization starting up, which is the Great Redwood Trail Alliance. But I would say that... It's got a website. It's, so. <laughs> it's got a website. But I, I would say there's... You know, most of the organizing around that has been sort of waiting to see what happens with the passage of SB 29, SB 1029. And now that that has occurred, I'm going to say that that's probably going to start ramping up, too. And so there there are opportunities. Just type in trail in the name of your community. Hey, you know, one thing we, d- we, we didn't find it. we didn't really touch on, and I think maybe we should have spent a little more time on, is who made this happen? Oh, Senator McGuire. Yeah. Yeah, our state senator, Mike McGuire, really... You know, those of us who've been talking about these things for some decades, yeah, some you know, decades, really, we've been have been feeling like we're really pushing the boulder uphill and fall down again. You know, and or it just banging our heads against the wall and it and really waiting for someone. Yeah, and Friends of the Old River has been suing the NCRA for the last nine years or so. Yeah. There's all that too, yeah, yeah. but it's. I think you know, from my perspective, it was both a 
both sort of a sort of a breaking of a log jam that was happening in this in sort of the the southern end of the rail line area right. politically just there was a political shift and some bravery right. i mean i have to give it to mike mcguire he didn't have to do this no he did not He's, and he put he, a lot on the line to do it he put a lot on the really line to do it and, yeah. and it showed i from my perspective a lot of leadership to take on a problem and really try and move something forward that he didn't have to do. I mean, he could have been like everybody else and sort of, mm, you know, shrugged the shoulders and said, well, the body politic is in this way. And, you know, just kind of let the apathy of the bureaucratic amoeba sort of take them over. Right. But that's not what occurred. I mean, and, and so I really give credit to him and to his staff who also did, you know, a lot of the legwork for this. And, and yeah, I'm really impressed. We did not, we did not, expect this no and we we didn't see it coming and when it came it was like wow it's really unusual as an advocate that you Mm -hmm. see public you know public leaders electeds getting out in front of the solutions that you've been you know able to articulate and it was like wow you guys are really well i'm gonna say just go for it certainly he had been lobbied in terms of community members yeah. that have interest in this and that, you know, and the narrative around that he'd heard for sure. And for, for years, right. But, and they did outreach, they did polling, they yeah. went and talked to leaders and community members. And, and from that made the decision that this was the right time. And I'm just really impressed that we were able to get this. Well, far. they say when McGuire gets into something, he goes, I have, I have, I have sympathy for his staff. I would say (laughs) they work very hard because he works very hard. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here, Mike. Really appreciate it. Yeah. It's been great. I do recommend folks get out, hit the trail and coordinate with your local trail organization. And thanks to KHSU too, for providing this opportunity. And thanks to eco news report. This has been the eco news report. And my name is Scott Greeson and I've been your host for the past half hour. I've been speaking with Mike Wilson, Humble County Supervisor from the 3rd District. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. You can hear this broadcast again on the archive programs page of the station's website at khsu.org. The Eco News Report is produced at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Tune in again next week at the same time for the Eco News Report. 